0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, I feel like every week we come on the air, it's just been another crazy sports week.
1: It's just a crazy week in general. But I don't think we should bore the listeners with what's been going on here. So let's just go to the crazy week in sports. We'll go to the crazy week in sports.
0: Okay, so um, you watched the Sixers game last night? Yeah. I'm going to go back further. You watched the Kentucky Derby last week. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, is it still under appeal i don't know uh, you ever seen anything like that you know what at this point who cares about the race my question is what happens if it gets reversed I, I don't think that they could do that at this point
0: okay well you know
1: what let's talk about that later
0: yeah we'll uh we're gonna go on we're i we think she'll be on in one second uh we're gonna have our guest for the show uh carly lloyd are you there i am here thank you so much for calling in it's great to talk to you how was your practice today out in lovely west coast
2: uh we have not had training yet not so we yet have that in the afternoon no but it's beautiful and sunny here so
0: well you're a, you're a local girl from back around here I'm, a, I'm from marlton myself and i know you played at the medford strikers um i saw you say something about you know being from Delran that kind of shaped you and, and who you are as a person and had a little bit of chip on your shoulder. Can you talk a little more about that for people who aren't familiar with who you are and where you come from?
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously grew up in in Delran, New Jersey, uh, which is a, you know, small town where kind of everyone knows everybody, um, working class neighborhood. Um, I didn't grow up with, you know, my parents not having uh, loads of money. And um, I think that, you know, just kind of my emphasis of, um, you know, the, the passion that I had with the sport of soccer, uh, the will, the determination, um, you know, my best friend was the ball growing up and that's all I really cared about. And, uh, I think that, you know, being able to, you know, walk to local field down the street from my house and and being able to, to just be a part of, um, you know, a, a really, um, small town just kind of gave me the freedom to to lay the foundation um, to being where I am today. So, you know, it's not about where you grow up or um, what resources you have or what facilities you have. You just um, you know have a passion and love for something and you go after it.
0: We talk a lot on this show about the lessons that people learn as athletes and the, the lessons that other people can learn from what athletes learn. Uh, I've seen you talk about becoming a fighter and learning to persevere, and you talk about. Your best friend was the ball and that was all you needed. How important was that for you to be shaped that way, to develop you going forward?
2: Um, well, I don't think that I was uh, like that per se when I was a younger kid um, and into my teenage years. I think that um, that is something that, that I developed. I think uh, growing up, I was a talented kid. I uh, didn't always work hard. I you know Some days I, I gave 100%. Other days I'd give 70%, 80%. Uh, it wasn't until... I reached about you know 22, 23 years old um, when I met my coach, mentor, who is now uh, the director, has been the director of coaching for the Medford Strikers Club and Universal Soccer Academy, James Galanis, uh, who really instilled you know the fighting mentality in me and kind of changed my my work ethic, uh, my mentality on how to approach things, on just comparing yourself against your, um, you know, no one but yourself, um, giving it all you have every single day and, and turning every obstacle and struggle into uh, something positive where you can learn. So uh, for the for the beginning bit of, you know, of my chapter and, and growing up, I, I had the will and I had the passion, but I didn't really have anyone per se that could kind of, uh, guide me into the the mentality of becoming a fighter and um, you know being able to to deal with pressure
1: per se. Well you certainly turned it into something amazing. What what was it like for you the first time that you made the national team?
2: Um, you know it was it was amazing. It was uh, you know I remember walking out into my uh, first cap which was in Portland and um, there's a whole crowd full of people. I have my name on the back of my jersey, um, you know, representing the United States of America. Um, it was a surreal moment for me. It was, you know, a moment where I was incredibly nervous. Um, but it was, it was the start of a, a special journey and, uh, I've stayed, you know, true to myself from, uh, the start of my career and will continue to do that. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's been an unbelievable uh, honor to be able to represent in my country for this long. And, um, you know, I want to continue to keep inspiring some of the younger generation to know that, um, you know, no matter what you want to do in life, no one should ever hold you back. No one should ever tell you that you're not good enough. Um, You dictate um, the way that your, your life is going to unfold. And, um, you know, I wasn't a, a big name college star coming out as the next best thing. I went to a small school, um, college, uh, smaller, you know, soccer school at Rutgers. Um, So,
0: you know,
2: anything is, uh, anything is possible. You know, it doesn't matter where you come from.
0: I was a Rutgers boy myself. Yay, Rutgers. Um, Nice. (laughs) what's it like for you? I mean, you've, you've won world cups, you've, you've scored game winning goals in the Olympics. You, you've had all this success. Do you ever sit back and say, wow, Or is is it you're always on to the next thing? How how do you sort of live in the moment and enjoy that journey that you're on, if possible?
2: Um, I don't really sit down and say, wow, um, I'm I'm hungry for more. I I am addicted to, you know, continuing to be successful. And and that is not successful in the eyes of the public. That is successful in my own um, being. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I'm constantly wanting to learn. I'm constantly wanting to improve. I'm constantly wanting to become a better player, a better person. Um, and that's, you know, that is because I, I'm not sitting here saying, wow, and I'm not sitting here um, patting myself on the back for, for what I've achieved. Um, it's very easy to become complacent. It's very easy to rest on your laurels. Um, but in this industry, um, you've got to keep pushing forward because if not, there's somebody else that's waiting behind you to to snag your spot. And, um, you know, I want to just keep climbing and, and keep going.
1: Carly, what what's it like to go to an event and, and have swarms of, of young girls and young boys come over to you and look up to you and, and want, want to be Carly Lloyd? I can't tell you how many of of my friends and cousins have, have said to me when I've told them that you were going to be on that they grew up wanting to be Carly Lloyd, that they pretended to be Carly Lloyd when they were out on a soccer field.
2: That's cool. You know, I think for me that's that's really what it's all about. You know, it's about changing lives. It's about inspiring people. Um, you know, my, my journey has not been easy, uh, nor what I want it to be. And like I said, you know, the, the foundation that was laid for me was being able to be a, a young kid um, and take my ball wherever I wanted to take it to the local field, jump in, play with boys, um, kick the ball up against the curb. Um, for me, you know, that, that was the foundation, you know, that laid the groundwork. And uh, I think we are oftentimes not really seeing too many kids um, going out and, and practicing on their own in a non-structured environment, um, and that's what gives you the creativity. You know that that is what has made me um, special uh, amongst all the 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 people in this whole country. And um, I think if you can if you can find that, if you can try things, if you can fail. Um, that's what it takes. So, you know, for me, it's, it's always a a message that I'm trying to get out to to young kids to always believe. And, um, you know, it's really up to you um, how your, your life is going to go. And um, so it's, it's cool. You know, that's what I love to hear. and, And I hope that, Um, you know, there's, there's kids all around the globe that, that I'm inspiring and and helping to change their lives because I know it, it definitely, uh, makes a big difference.
0: Well, and you're not just there for them to watch you, you run clinics and participate in clinics yourself to help kids learn and play the game. What's that interaction like for you when, when you get to give back and teach sort of like you were taught along the way yourself?
2: Well, I think the, the biggest thing is, um, you know, I do these clinics, and they're usually a, a one-day, two-hour clinic. So, you know, the kids aren't coming uh, to me and going to all of a sudden become a professional soccer player. Um, that's just not reality. The The, the biggest thing is, is just having an impact on them, you know, being able to kind of get into their mind and, and teaching them the tools that will help them in life, you know, if you work hard on the soccer field, you're going to most likely work hard when you're, you know, at work. If you're respecting your teammates and your coaches, you're most likely going to respect your boss and your coworkers. Um, you know, if you're turning a, a negative situation into a positive, you're you're most likely going to be able to persevere through life. So it's, it's really about kind of having that impact and, um, you know, touching them in, in that regard um, because, you know, let's be honest, there's a... There's a small, small percentage of people that actually make it. And um, in two hours, you know, you're not going to be um, completely just a professional uh, soccer player. So I, I tried to to kind of mix in the, the mental aspect of it as, as well, along with kind of giving them some tools of things that they can practice and learn on themselves.
0: Well, and as we head to the World Cup under a month away from starting, you've, you've been embracing the challenges that you had, it's sort of a transition time. You, you've gone from more of a midfielder starting to somebody who's been a lot at striker and, and coming off the bench a little bit. How have you embraced that challenge and, and how valuable are you now to the team to be able to come in with that option later in the game?
2: Well, nothing's set in stone. Um, that's the beauty of, of a story. That's the beauty of a journey. And um, I have not given up on myself. Um, I have continued to to show my worth um, in training every single day um, when I've come on in in games. Um, I'm not, you know, 36 and and slow and and washed up and, um, you know, all of these things that maybe people are thinking. You know, I'm um, probably having some of the best moments of of my uh, career, really enjoying the game. Um, I've had to kind of reinvent myself these last couple of years of of really becoming more of a thinker on the field than than just kind of relying on my athletic ability or or my um, you know my power. Um, so I've I've really embraced that. I'm I'm obviously you know have the capability of um, still playing in the midfield um, and playing up top, and it's just being able to you know to continue to to tick off boxes to become. Um, the best and most complete player uh, in the world. You know, I haven't, I haven't stopped doing that, um, and I probably feel, you know, the fittest that I've ever felt, uh, most explosive, sharpest, uh, just my decision making on the field, and um, and I know that, you know, things are are still, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens, but um, the story's not over, and uh, that's the beauty of it, and I know that I can. Help this team, and I know that I can play a massive role, and I want to do anything possible to um, help this team lift the trophy on uh, this summer.
1: Well, in addition to it not being over for your career, we're hoping the Sixers isn't over soon. And I understand that you're a Sixers fan. Yeah, we're following your tweets. We <laughs> you saw you retweet Lane Johnson out there. You're just a sports fan,
0: aren't you?
2: Oh, absolutely! You know, I'm a, I'm a Jersey girl. I grew up uh, being a, a Philly sports fan. Fan my whole life. Um, I actually really enjoy going to the Sixers game. Um, I have the opportunity to ring the bell, and uh, you know, there it, it's a purely entertainment um, festivity. You know, going to a, a basketball game um, in Philly and it's fun. Aside from the game, you know, there's there's always things going on and. Um, you know, I was happy to see that the, the Sixers bounce back. That was a huge game. And I think if they can consistently kind of bring that um, amongst all of them, you know, they, they should uh, take game seven. So hopefully we see, uh, you know, the same Sixers team uh, come up big and, you know, I'll be rooting for them every step of the way.
0: Well, we'll be rooting for them with you and we'll be rooting for you and watching the team. We thank you so much for the time and wish you all continued success in, uh, in overcoming and, and going along with your journey.
2: Thank you. appreciate it. Thanks so much.
0: Have a great one. You Jeff, that was fun.
1: She's, I mean, she's more than a, a local hero. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, tell people about
0: the response that you got because you weren't sure. I mean, you knew that people would think it was cool. Look, we I, having her I
1: know around here and I know among the soccer community that, that she's a star and she, I mean, she's been part of the lexicon of, of, of women's soccer and soccer in general for a long time, well over a decade. And, 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 and but um, I'm shocked um, at the reaction I've gotten from everyone. I mean, we, we have had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, we've had Dr. J, we've had some really big names that we've interviewed and, and she's an inspiration. And you know, one of her teammates is now, I believe, on the lines. Uh, Samantha Mewis, are you on?
3: Yes, I am. Hi, how are you?
1: Good, how are you doing?
3: I'm good, thank you.
1: So, how, how much longer? Do, how much time do you have until practice?
3: Um, I think we're leaving for training at three thirty on the West Coast, so a couple hours.
1: So is the is the weather better there than it is in your hometown of Boston?
3: <laughs> uh, I don't know what the weather's like in Boston today, but it is beautiful here. It's like seventy and sunny, so we, no complaint about we, being out here.
0: We don't want to make you jealous, but um, we know you're a Dunkin' Donuts fan, and we did have some chocolate Munchkins outside the studio. So just want oh, to let, just Oh, I to let, am jealous. Yeah, we we hear that that's uh, that's where
1: it's at. Well, for then you. before we get to anything serious, what's your favorite Munchkin?
0: chocolate chocolate is, is it chocolate
1: see jeff you need to do your there, research is it, better. is there a second favorite or is it ju- do you just pick out the chocolate ones uh I, I mean if it was
3: like a box of 25 i would probably pick out all the chocolate
1: ones. <laughs> sam, sam we asked nothing but the hard-hitting <laughs> questions
0: here on the show about yes. food types and jeff's always good for a food question uh-huh. how exciting <laughs> it, is this time for you though it's under a month away uh getting ready to go to the world cup obviously prepping and playing hard What's this time like for you? Nervous, excited, anticipating a little bit of it all?
3: Yeah. Um, well, one, it's super busy. Um, there's just like a ton going on. Um, obviously, practice is like our number one priority, but um, it kind of seems like every day there's, some, there's something else going on. So it's been really busy, but also just so exciting. I mean, obviously, this is a dream come true for me. And um, the fact that I get to share an experience like this with my teammates who are my really good friends it's it's awesome um and i'm trying to just soak up every bit of it because it's uh gonna be like an incredible journey so i'm really really excited and um staying busy is good but mostly just excited and looking forward to getting the tournament started
1: what's it like for you and and your sister I, i know that you two are both professional soccer players and for your family in general i understand that uh that your parents are very proud
3: yeah yeah, I think so. Um, it's so cool uh, to get to share this with my sister. I think that so few people out there really understand what it's like to be a professional athlete and all the things that come with it, like the travel and being away from loved ones, and um, all. I mean, even all the the really good things that go with it, like the the idea of winning and, and going through and getting to train with your teammates every day and all the fun things. So I think that sharing it with my sister has brought us really close. And um, it's something that few people understand. So the fact that I can always call her um, with either problems or with good news. And and I know that she'll really understand and get it is something that's really brought us together over the years. And I think that for my parents, um, I think it's so cool that they get to watch us both play. I think They've always loved watching us play so much. And I think that luckily it's just continued on well past our high school days. And um, I feel really lucky for everything that they've done for us um, just over the years to give us all the opportunities that they did. So it's definitely um, a big family thing. And we we all really enjoy Uh, going through this together and getting to share some of these like awesome memories that we've had
0: and and you haven't just like played in the backyard or played in a local league you were both on world cup teams the under 17s in new zealand the under 20s in germany what's it like not only to play with your sister but for both of you to put on the colors of your country to do it that and play around the world doing it yeah
3: yeah um well it's a huge honor i mean of course representing your country is it's just this huge honor and it's a responsibility and it's something that you don't want to take lightly and um, getting to do that with my sister and represent our family together um, when we were younger was unbelievable i think we traveled places like new zealand and um, japan and germany and we got to go to all these um, unbelievable places when we were teenagers and i think that that's like kind of unbelievable i i don't think i fully appreciated it at the time Um, just because I was so young and the, the full grasp that I was traveling the world as a teenager was pretty crazy, but to get to be doing what I love, sharing it with my sister, sharing it with my parents, um, it's, it's really cool. And we're really, really fortunate that we've been given all these opportunities and, um, the experiences that I've had have been amazing.
1: Last year you suffered, I think it was November of 2017. Actually, you suffered a knee injury, um, did you think at that time, or were you concerned at that time, whether you'd be able to get back in time for the World Cup this year?
3: Um, I mean, the, my knee injury was there was a lot of questions around it, mm-hmm. and uh, we weren't really certain exactly how it was going to impact me. It was kind of like an unclear path forward. Um, it was kind of a should, should we get surgery, should we not, should we wait it out, and I think that Fortunately, I was in really good hands and the people who were working with me made all the right decisions and I'm actually playing with no pain now, um, which we weren't sure was going to happen. So I think when I was going through it, there was some worry of course. And um, I, I really wanted to make sure I was back for qualifying for last, that was last fall in October. And luckily I was. um, And I think that, I mean, I was in really good hands, so I'm grateful for that, but um, I definitely, um, the injury was taxing on me emotionally, and I, I'm fortunate that um, I'm feeling so good now.
0: It came at a time, too, after 2017, you were one of only three players to play in every game. You played over 1,200 minutes and finalists for Woman of the Year. So from the mental side, I know you're into meditation and, and other things mental preparation in terms of coming back and overcoming that, how challenging has that been to kind of keep yourself patient knowing where you were at the time of the injury and trying to come back and not push it too much to re injure yourself, but also be able to integrate yourself into the team?
3: Yeah, I mean, being on this team fully healthy and fully fit is a challenge in and of itself. So I, I anyone who comes back from injury um, while playing for this team, I, I give a lot of credit to. I think that The girls here are just so talented and it's such an intense environment that um, it's, I mean, it's the highest level that there is. So I think that um, I overcame definitely some mental hurdles to get through that. And I'm really lucky that I had such a good support system around me to help me with that. Um, And definitely, I think that it made me stronger. I think that encountering adversity um, now I will have been through something like it before. So I, I kind of know some of, some of like the tricks that work for me and um, definitely meditation and kind of just like the power of positive thinking are, are really important and having a good attitude and everything. But also it's the people in your life and the, the teammates that you rely on, your family. Um, so I definitely learned a lot through it and was fortunate to have such amazing people around me kind of um, just rooting for me the whole way.
1: You're, you're used to playing for... Uh, and with um, some some great players as as part as a professional soccer player, but what's it like when you when you make the World Cup, the United the you know the U.S. Women's National Team, and come into that locker room or on the field when you all get together for the first time and just look around and go, wow?
3: Yeah, I mean, for the first time, it's pretty it's pretty surreal um luckily my first couple of caps my sister was actually there with the team as well and I think that having her um as part of that new process for me was really helpful but even today I mean when I'm marking someone on a corner kick whether it's Carly or Alex Morgan or Megan Rapino, I'm kind of like overwhelmed with like exactly where I am because these, these women are players that I've looked up to my whole life and um, I still do, of course. I mean, my teammates are some of my biggest role models. And I think that um, it's important, really, to to maintain that perspective for me and to like keep reminding myself of where I am and what it took to get here and how important this is to me, just because I don't ever want to get comfortable here or get complacent here. I think it's a huge deal to be here. And I, I want to keep pushing myself to grow so that I can stay here.
1: You talk you talk about Alex and Carly being role models. What have what have you learned from them that you've taken forward because now you're a role model to a lot of kids? And and, and so what yeah. do you take take and, and like look to when you when you think about that?
3: Yeah, well, they're both great leaders. Um I I've, I've learned so much from um, Alex from the way that she advocates for her teammates to the coaches, to the referee, um, to a lot of the parties outside of our immediate environment, just about progressing the team forward and the way that she's been able to take all of our um, rights and all of our best interests into consideration when she's advocating for us, I think is something that I would like to learn how to emulate and really like reproduce myself. And then from Carly, I think I've just learned commitment. Carly is one of the most driven, hardworking people here, and that's saying a lot. And I think that um, she never takes a day off. She never, um, takes a rep off. She ice baths every day, even when it's cold out, like she just does it all. And she never makes excuses for herself. And I think that that's something that, um, really just showcases her mental strength and her willpower and desire to, to be the best. And it's something that I think everyone could learn from. I think she's just so committed to being the best that she can. And it's something that I really admire in her.
0: We talk a lot on the show about the impact that athletes can have in the community. What does it mean to you when, when you hear somebody like Jeff say a role model, or you see all the young girls or or young boys that that are out there that that want your autograph or want to learn how to play like you? How's that feel now?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's really full circle for me because I remember um, so vividly being a young kid, 10 years old, Um, watching some of the women like the 99ers win the world cup and watching some of the women in the first professional league and getting their autograph and just being totally overwhelmed with admiration for them. And I think that when I get to kind of be on that, the other side of it now and sign autographs and see girls and boys who look up to me, um, I really remember what that felt like. And I, it's so important to me that I'm a good role model for them because I recognize the impact that it had on me when I was growing up and if I can play some small part in helping someone reach their dreams, I that would really what this is all about. And I think um, it's an honor to be in this position and to kind of have a platform where I can inspire young kids to believe in themselves and to keep pushing for what they want.
1: Is there anybody that is now your teammate that as a kid you pretended to be on a soccer field? <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I don't think... I think I'm too old for that now. I mean, I think the '99 um, team was probably like Mia
0: Hamm and and Brandy yeah, Chastain. Yeah, Mia Hamm that.
3: and Michelle Akers. Okay. Um, I have a picture dressed up with Michelle Akers. I had Mia Hamm's jersey, so I think it was more that era. Um, but I had, I think I had a poster of Abby Wombeck at one point. <laughs> I might have been like way too old for that, but like I'm not that Abby Wombeck was um, another huge influence on me, so. Um, it's definitely really cool that I've gotten to meet a lot of these women, and even I even got to play with Abby a couple of times. So that was just amazing.
0: So, so we do have to ask: We're a Philadelphia station. Um, we understand that there's bad news that you're a Patriots fan and you like Tom Brady. Is that is that um, rumor true?
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm a Michigan true. person. So yeah, you I, like Tom because you're a Michigan Speak guy. Speak for yourself. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> you
0: know, in Philly, that doesn't go over too well in Jeff. <laughs> but uh, are you are you a sports fan in general coming coming out of Boston? Or, you know, we talked to Carly. Yeah, a little bit. I, she, she said she sort of likes everything growing up.
3: Yeah, I think that um, being from Boston is you're kind of automatically a, a fan of all the Boston teams because they're all good and they always – one one team seems to win every year, so uh, I've we, been don't my fair of we don't want to hear know. that. We don't want to hear that. I know you don't. We are sorry true. about the so Celtics. Not really. I,
1: I, I could see the smirk on her face. Right now. <laughs> oh yeah, <she's, laughs> I I am. She's enjoying. I saying am. It. I
3: love talking about this.
1: Well, we we would talking love about to.
3: Boston sports is a good one. We
1: would love to have well, so you. So wait, wait, wait. Before you before you go, ha- have you had a chance to meet Tom Brady? Thank no. You.
0: So uh, now, I have not.
1: Got to work on that. All right. So if if Tom Brady is somehow listening, Tom, after after Samantha wins the World Cup, you, you we can. expect you to have her at the Patriots game. There you go. There we go. Uh, Samantha, we wish Thanks. you the.
3: I appreciate that, you guys. We're
1: we're, we're always
0: there to make pitches. We <laughs> you really. Know, we'll, we'll, appre-
1: we'll check with Matt Light. There you go. Yeah.
0: We always appreciate. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate you giving us the time. Love to have you back on to talk sports and soccer and everything and else. Luck. Sometime in the future. Best of luck with everything.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Have a great one. You, Jeff, <laughs> we we got two back to back. That was, I mean, th- that was pretty fun. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, are you not ready for the World Cup now? I was
0: ready anyway. Yeah, I, it's funny because when you said, "Did she grow up admiring any of the players on the current team?" Uh-huh. I'm probably a little bit older than her because I remember watching that '99 Women's World yeah. Cup and the Rose Bowl and and mm-hmm. everything like that, and that was. My first real experience with women's soccer. I had played soccer growing up, and so I, I kind of figured that that was the team that that she grew up with. I think
1: it, it, it's it is amazing to see you know how these professional athletes play this game. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up as a, as a soccer fan. I've become a soccer fan, and it we'll, always we'll it, learn you yet, Jeff. <laughs> it, it 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 is amazing shape that they're in, the perseverance that they go through, the, the amount of work that people don't realize that they put into their craft in order to get to be one of the top 23 people in all the about, country. It's
0: all about the journey, Jeff.
1: It is. Um, but it, it's going to be amazing to watch them and everybody should, you know, get their popcorn ready for the World Cup. We will certainly be following. It starts in 28 days. Jeff, why don't we hit the
0: break when we come back? We're going to talk golf with more Sixers, everything else. More popcorn. More popcorn. Yeah. Stick with us. Sports lets people live their dreams, overcome obstacles, and achieve goals. But what's your unimaginable? Do you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself? To push your limits? The AFATI clothing brand believes we're all capable of going far beyond we previously imagined. To overcome your obstacles and achieve your goals. Life gives you the chance to push harder, to dream bigger, and to do whatever it takes to conquer the unimaginable. And to do it with AFATI on you. The original street leisure clothing brand taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports, with the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports, each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. Jeff, we're just going to keep it rolling, aren't we?
1: There's no reason for us to be here. We just had the, the guests that are on today could speak for themselves. They're inspirational. And I think we have another one that likes to talk to.
0: Yeah, I got questions. Ollie, you're on. Artists.
1: Hell yeah. Nice to, uh, <laughs> nice to be back with you guys.
0: Ollie, we love when you come on and, and join us. We learn something. So uh, before we start, I want your take on Tiger. Tell me what you saw well, at the Well, let's first tell
1: for people that haven't heard before. We have, Go ahead. Tell them who's on. Sorry, Al- I was so
0: excited to get into my question. <laughs>
1: we, 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 we have Oliver Horowitz on the line. Uh, he is the author of the amazing book, An American Caddy in St. Andrews, that we've talked about. And he is now star of the new show, Caddy Codes, which I am happy to say I have watched every episode. Ah, uh, um, shucks. Yep. Thank you. They need to be longer, dude. <laughs> I know. The, 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 you know, the one thing that's good about them is, you know, you always want to leave them wanting more. You want more? You definitely want more, but, but dude, they got to be longer. There's so much more. You had Jimmy Roberts and only had him on for four minutes. <laughs> I know.
4: We shot a lot more than that, but, you know, it's uh, I guess that is the thing. Leave them wanting more. But Jimmy Roberts has some stories to tell. He's been just about every single... Uh, nook and cranny in the golf world, and he is happy to share all of those stories.
1: You had Danny Noonan on, <laughs> isn't that cool? <laughs> you, but so you uh, really did watch every uh, episode. Ab- absolutely, Ollie sent them to me, and, and they're, they are they're really good. But so, I have to ask because you didn't I didn't see it in any of the clips. As you're playing golf with them, um, did you say Noonan at all to try to break, break it up? <laughs> oh, God.
4: Every time. We also, this wasn't in the the final uh, episode, but we did a blindfolded putting contest, me versus Michael O'Keefe, real life Danny Newton, and uh, he beat me, and he won a stuffed gopher. That was the prize. (laughs) 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 But it's on, they put it on their Instagram, but that didn't make it into the final episode, but that was... That was fun and he's had some practice obviously playing blindfolded if you've seen Caddyshack, which is probably only my favorite movie of all time.
1: All right. Well, one more Caddy Coat's question before we move on to other stuff. So you're you're, you're Yeah, we get
4: so, we get some uh, PGA championship to talk about too. Si-
1: Well yeah, but you're but you're driving around with Jimmy Roberts on, on the roof of a building in, in New York City, collecting golf balls with one of those little cart machines that, that has the cage on it, and you're having yeah. golf balls launched at the two of you. Was that fun, or was it stressful?
4: Both. Really, really <laughs> both. It's Chelsea Piers Golf Club in New York. Again, the show, it's 10 episodes. It's like three minutes per episode. It's about me having adventures in the world of caddying. And so we thought Jimmy Roberts would be really cool because he used to caddy when he was a kid. And he's also, he's met just every single caddy legend. Um, and uh, he's in New York. You know, I'm based in New York as well. So we did it at Chelsea Piers. But I thought, let's do the interview in the ball picker upper cart. Um, Cause why not? I, Is that the official I used, name of it? So I've always wondered. I, I used think, to, I think the that's name the was. official scientific name: the ball picker upper cart. I used to drive that
0: at, at the driving range. <gasps> I, I was the target growing up. That people. <laughs> oh became, my god! Yes, I have some stories. Do you for have you. scars,
4: mental scars from that?
0: Scars. I got hit one time when the tractor broke down. And I went home to my mom. It just missed my eye with the whole side of my cheek swollen out. <gasps> and I, you would have thought that my mom, that somebody beat me up and she wanted to go find them. She was like, oh,
4: oh my, my God, God, how did that happen? By the way. This, this, yeah, this, I can't this, believe she signed off on that summer job for you. That's she laughed. That's a real la- she uh, la- momentary this, lapse in parenting. The, the
0: first time she saw me, it was raining. And I was wearing a yellow rain slicker from head to toe. And she got out of the car and saw me getting out of a tractor. And she fell back in laughing. That is what happened when I worked at a golf this course. This
1: explains so much to me. Oh yeah, you didn't know this. No. Subject. Yeah, I, I was. I in, want to see a photo of that.
4: Of I was doing the yellow galosh or whatever in the cart. That's. I wish God,
0: she took priceless. it. That would be hilarious. Yeah, I did grounds crew and uh, did uh, caddy and everything. I wasn't quite Ollie's level of anything, but just a local Dang. course.
1: Yeah. By the way, speaking of photographs, so the photograph. <laughs> That Ali sent me a couple weeks ago was sleeping in his car.
0: Yeah, explain that, please. (laughs) Okay, yeah, so
1: (laughs) little tournaments
4: coming to uh, Beth Page Black uh, next week. You may have heard of the PGA Championship. And uh, for those who don't really know Beth Page so much, it's hosted two U.S. Opens before 2002, 2009, hosted the Barclays in 2016. And there's a real tradition there of sleeping in your car overnight to get a tea time, because it's not easy if you're not a New York State resident. So to be honest with you, the, the car sleeping thing has a little slowed down in the last couple of years, because there's now a good reservation system. But <laughs> the course reopened for two weeks, just two weeks to the public, um, three weeks ago. And so you could play it for two weeks, but it was limited tee times, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And to get on, it was walk-ups only. So you had to sleep in your car overnight. And because I'm an idiot, I said, <laughs> let me try that. I've never done it before.
0: How'd that work out for you?
4: <laughs> well, the first time, not great. My friend Paul and I, uh, poor Paul, drove from Connecticut to the 2 best Page at 6 p.m. on uh, Friday. He, he stayed there from 6 p.m. I got there on the train at midnight. I joined him at midnight. We're car number one. We're so excited. I'm in a onesie. We are just, we are. You're in ready. a
1: onesie? Oh. I'm in
4: a gray onesie, <laughs> oh my feeling goodness. great, but it's raining and it keeps raining and we start getting worried at 5 in the morning. We're in the clubhouse with 20 other zombie, you know, sleepless golfers. And the superintendent says, course is closed, guys. No oh, one's playing today. Oh, no,
0: no. Tears. There's no rain i not if it
4: was the rain or the tears running down by my, my face. A lot so of what do you do?
0: <laughs> sleep so in the car another I, day.
4: Yeah, hundred percent. I was like, you know what? As as horrible as that was, I gotta I gotta get revenge. I gotta do it again. So Paul couldn't make it out. I convinced a different friend, Todd, who's a high school principal in Brooklyn. Lovely guy, good buddy of mine. He gets a friend of his to loan him his uh, station wagon. We drive out there at midnight this time. This is last week. We're number eleven. That's still fine. Car eleven is okay. And uh, I'm happy to report no rain, and we got the 9.57 tee time, and we played Beth Big Black.
0: You need to, like, Facebook Live or video these, these car sleepovers and make that into <laughs> another show. It's a whole show. different a, show, yeah. It's a whole different show for I you I did some there.
4: video. It's, on, it's actually on my Instagram page. I did a story of it because the scene there for that, it wasn't much of a scene on the first night, to be honest, because it was raining so hard. Everyone's in their car. He's just trying to, you know, pray that it stops raining. The second night was a party. It was a golf tailgate. The first car had a flat screen in the back of the SUV. And it was playing highlights of Tiger's 2002 U.S. Open win on course, the TV. golfers. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was an adult sleepover. And it was the biggest golf geek scene you've ever had. So I it was I an adult
0: it. sleepover. You're in your onesie. You're trying to get access. Okay, there's a visual. Oh, yeah, everybody. the guy
4: next to us in car 12, the Canadian guy, had uh, had left his pregnant wife at home, uh, rented a car to go sleep in a parking lot full of strangers, and he's, he had to sleep. He's, to it a, he's the, not going to want to drive we know back if she, home. Do we
1: know if she delivered while he was <laughs> away? <laughs> <laughs> she did not, because we ended would have never with the same the
4: group, of- and uh, I can report that she's still doing fine, and uh, they're a couple months away. <laughs> yeah,
0: he he never would have heard the end of that. No. So uh, what can we expect of Bethpage Black, the PGA Championship, everything coming up in the tournament?
4: Well, I'll tell you what. Every New Yorker was nervous when the announcement was made last year, because the PGA, for most of you know golf— it's, it's normally in August, right? So they switched it to May this year. I, I, I can tell you half of my friends don't even know the PGA is next week. It's not really in the, the public eye yet, but it will be when the ads start. So it's in May. Everyone's a little nervous, but luckily the winter, as you guys know, wasn't too terrible, and the course is looking so sweet. It is really pristine. Uh, the greens are perfect. The rough, they've had so much rain. God, we got a ton of rain in April, so the rough is thick. And I can tell you the biggest defense of the golf course is the length. It's 7,436 yards, par 70. That's pretty crazy. Yup. The 7th hole, which is normally a par 5 for us, is a par 4 for them. So crazy long. The, uh, How long, the long is the
0: that par-4 hole there that's normally a par-5? That's a long that's, uh geez, God,
4: that's 524 yards. Wow. For a par-4?
1: That's like a par-7 oh for Oh, my, goodness. my <laughs> goodness. That's a par-7 <laughs> so to I'll get you on you the so green for yeah, me. Yeah, and the
4: slope is 155. My that's goodness. crazy. That's insane. It's a beast. That sign on the first tee really, uh, they're not lying on that first, uh, first tee shot when they say the, the warning, the black is a very difficult golf course. Only skilled <laughs> golfers should
1: play it. Well, I heard you call it. But the... it's
4: the rough. The rough is what makes it so tough. The rough does not look bad. doesn't look too thick. And then you get in it, and I'm telling you, it just shuts down the club face, and you can't advance it. So this is why, like, the really strong guys, the Brooks Kepkas, the Dustin Johnsons, I put Tiger in that class advantage out of the rough because even if you spread to the rough those guys have the power to get out and people like you and me we're just we're taking a wedge and trying to get out of there just to get back to the no fairway.
1: i'm not i'm picking it up and throwing it jeff said i'm jeff even he smarter. just yeah. jeff, he just said i'm not powerful <laughs> that was what i <laughs> that's what i heard <laughs> that's
4: that's when y'all were caddying for you that's what i would do i'd just wait until you weren't lucky and i throw it back at the fairway front well
1: speaking of caddying i heard you call beth page black potentially the most difficult course on which to caddy in america why yeah
4: couple reasons uh, you know most of the caddy rounds are happening in the summer you know the New York heats pretty bad it can right. be hundred hundred oh. easy you're caddying for a lot of 27 handicappers that want to play the tips because they're playing the black for the first time uh, <laughs> and maybe the only time lots of lost and balls. Uh, yeah just imagine a 25 handicapper flailing around at the rough it's so it's so difficult and it's a tough walk it is a very very hilly course like 15 uphill uh, uh, sometimes it's called uh, uh cardiac hill because i think someone had a heart attack playing there a couple years ago Oh,
1: good my goodness
4: can <laughs> I, I take a I cart i really i i do i do not want to discourage people from playing it i for anyone in the silly areas listening to this it is worth the trip out to play best Edge black like everybody should play this golf course just maybe not from the tips
0: jeff asked if he could take a cart around on it did i see that they gave john daly an exemption to use a cart? <laughs>
4: They did, yeah, because he's got really bad osteoarthritis in his knee right now. I think it's his right knee. So they, they did allow him a cart. Um, so he'll be playing with a cart, but no other carts unless you have a, an absolute um, – you know, doctor's note, medical exemption. I, I don't think I've ever seen a cart on the black, I, I was
0: going to say, I had never seen that
1: before. I was surprised they gave him that exemption to even play it. I walked You the feel the like course. you need a
4: cart after the black. Like, just walking back to the car park, you're tired. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I walked the course in 2009. I was there. Jeff
4: got his Bethpage black over on I
1: mean, him. it poured. And, I mean, oh, my God, 02 and 09. It was soup there. I remember coming leaving the golf course and, like, having mud up to my knees. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned. Well, they do 30,000
4: rounds a year there. So it's amazing. When you play there, guys, you can play with with firemen, policemen, Wall Street bankers. It's everybody under the sun. It's a total melting pot. And a big piece of advice I'd have for people coming out to play it, if you want to play this summer after the, the PGA, don't necessarily play in a four ball. Come with just a buddy or just by yourself, and the people you're paired up with are going to be wonderful New Yorkers who love golf and the excitement around playing every day at Bethpage. I'm telling you, this really, the only other course like it is playing, playing the old course in St. Andrews in terms of excitement when you're teeing off.
0: What's it like to have the PGA or a major tournament at a public course? What does that mean to the golfers to be in that type of situation and also to the locals to be able to have their course that they've been on have these pros out there?
4: That's a great point. It, it's so Everyone's so proud of Beth Page. It is, it is the gem of New York golf. And, you know, I have friends that just speak of it so lovingly. My friend Spiro, who's a Greek kid from Astoria, grew up in Astoria. Whenever he comes out to play there, he brings me this huge Astoria sandwich, which takes the entire round to finish it. But when he speaks of Beth Page, you just his eyes glaze over and he speaks so lovingly about it it's like new yorkers are so proud of best page black and to have this kind of course that you can play for 65 bucks around during the weekday with your new york state license the fact that that's a major championship golf course super cool, and I mean, it is, a, it is really a major championship course. You look at the bunkering on this course. Architect A.W. Tillinghouse is the guy. He is just, it's his masterpiece. You know, he's, he also did Baltistral and Wingfoot. His bunkering is a work of art, and the par threes on this course are my favorites. They are it's, Every single one is so stately. And by the way, for anyone who's going out to watch the PGA next week, I would really suggest posting up at the uh, par 3 14th or the par-3 third uh, as great viewing spots, because those holes are tons of drama and really, really fun to watch.
1: Jeff, are you going you gonna to be going up there? I'll be there Saturday. Are you going go to go to the Which means three. It, I, it's guaranteed to rain. I went to the Masters <laughs> this year. It rained during that that round. Uh, I was at Marion when it rained during that. In 2009, sure. I was... I was at the U.S. Open when it rained. Aren't you just a cloud page. of sunshine going yeah, exactly. to the golf course? I'm the Charlie I Brown golf. All right, Ollie, before <laughs> But all
4: this rain is good. This rain does two things. It makes the rough really thick. You know, when I played the rough, was not bad, but that's already two weeks ago. It's yeah. going to be much thicker now, maybe six to seven inches. Um, and it's going to make the course play long. So it's, already, again, already 74-36 70, for a par 70. That is going to play super long if it's wet. So, I don't know. I, you know what, though? I still like Tiger's chances. I still got to love the Tiger thing. All right, well, so I we just to- had
1: the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Win, yeah. place, and show. What do you got for us?
4: Uh, I'm going to say Tiger to win it. Yeah. I'm going to say Kepka's up there. And then to show, let's go Molinari. Uh, because Ooh. you know, heartbreaking Augusta when he put it in the water on twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I find Francesco Molinari really, really boring uh, as a person, he's a really superb golfer, and uh, so I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say Tiger, and then let's have Molinari coming up uh, in the hunt as well.
0: Before I let you go, I just do want to ask you a Tiger question. Have you, you know, we've watched him for years, and it just seems like this one at the Masters he enjoyed more. Is there a different feel? Around Tiger now for his winning and his being back into the game.
4: Oh sure, yeah. I mean, he's any anyone who's had this crazy injury like that. You know, you, he never thought he was going to play golf again. Uh, we never thought he was going to contend in in majors again. Um, it is. It is so amazing to see what's what's happened. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know about you guys. I cried on Sunday when he won. I was, I was crying. I said, like, what? Why, why am I, why am I, I so thought, emotional I just about this? I thought it was
0: really cool when he came off and hugged his son. You know, the, <laughs> the symmetry. That's the got me. Yeah, the symmetry yeah, with him his dad hugging him as a parent with a young child
4: that was pretty cool to it, me that it's it, it's special that, to him and he's yeah. and he's back in it and he, it's like a second second lease at life for for his golf and the, the fans have been so wonderful with him welcoming him back it's um it's a new tiger and uh and i i still love his chances this week because he's got that hunger back it's pretty pretty cool to see and he's gonna be, i think he's gonna be right there the, the whole week next week
1: all right before we let you go caddy codes what's coming up
4: Oh, yeah, we got some fun ones coming up. I go to uh, New Zealand next to hang with a very famous New Zealand caddy. Can't say the name, but you may have an idea of who it is. I think I know can... who
1: it is, but I'll wait. Yeah, for
4: super cool guy. We've got great caddies coming up, and it's, you can go to uh, Shop With Golf, NBC's Shop With Golf, and it's caddy codes. Even just Google caddy codes, C-A-D-D-I-E, but a lot of fun caddy adventures coming up.
1: All right, well, we'll look forward to looking. Always
0: appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, and we'll look for your win, place, and show coming next week.
1: That's what I'm hoping. Thanks, guys.
4: Thanks
0: mm-hmm. for having me on. Have a great one, Ollie. Take care. Jeff, I, I, we don't need to be on this show. We could just let All the right, guests All right, by end, up early, No, uh, I think we still have some Brett, do you want to take the end of it? I mean, we've, we've had no, guests No, talk no, 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 oh, no, no, sorry, no, no. Oh, sorry, Brett. Yes, no. Jeff, yes, 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 I didn't yeah. check with Jeff <laughs> on that before I offered to throw it to you, so uh, that was Until he
1: goes off social media full. <laughs> You're, he's, never he's gonna let him, You're never going to let him. You're never going right. to let him win that down. Uh-huh. okay until he breaks that streak. Uh, okay. So all right. So now let's get to the Sixers because they're still in
0: it. They are still in it. Okay. You want to talk about a roller coaster of a series? Mm-hmm. I mean, the emotions that people have had from wanting to trade the whole team to thinking that they're the best team and nobody's going to play against them. We're now winner take all, game seven, Sunday night at 7 p.m. Sorry for you, Game of Thrones fans. It will end right in the beginning of your show. You could
1: tape it.
0: I tell that to a Game of Thrones it's, fan. It's okay? okay. I'm just saying Grab
1: I, your Starbucks cop, watch the Sixers game, and then you then you could watch Game of Thrones from their local Starbucks.
0: The Wells Fargo Center was loud last night, Jeff. Mm-hmm. It was very it's always loud. loud. Uh mm-hmm. let's talk some of what you've seen in the series. Jimmy Butler last night once again took over. Twenty-five points, six rebounds, eight assists. Ben Simmons was the aggressive player that people wanted from him last night. It was interesting to see what Brett Brown did in terms of putting the ball in his hands, more bringing it up. I know you've talked about Jimmy as the point guard, but Ben seemed more aggressive driving towards the whole bringing it up before a kickout than if he was just coming up the court with Jimmy bringing the ball up. I thought that was an interesting adjustment mm-hmm. they had. Um, Joel Embiid, obviously. To me,
1: to me what was, was most interesting was – Joel still didn't have a great game, but if you look at that plus-minus statistic, plus when he was on the court, his mere presence was much more imposing this game than the last two. He was plus 40 in this game while he was on the court, meaning
0: the Sixers yeah, scored 41 points. But if you points, just but,
1: watched his, but even when objectively he, watched him play, he didn't look like he was in no, tip-top No, he, he was condition. not
0: as healthy, but, he was, but his the presence, team was a minus 29 when he was not on the court. Right and Boban was a minus 15 in about well, uh, four well, minutes. Didn't
1: you find it interesting that Boban seemed to be the Look, go-to second guy instead of Monroe this time? I'm and not. I don't Where think did that, Jonah Bolden go? I
0: don't think that he has faith in Monroe, Jonah, or Boban, and I think he was trying to steal some minutes, and I think in Game 7 you're going to see Mike Scott or Ben Simmons at the five as opposed to Boban or Greg Monroe because they're getting abused when Embiid comes out of the game, and they just have to try to hold on during that point. Um, You know, Butler's the last Sixers player to meet or exceed his numbers of nearly 20 points, six rebounds, and five assists Mm -hmm. is Charles Barkley in 1990-91. So, I mean, that's the kind of company that he's playing in. Your thoughts on Ben Simmons' aggressiveness in the last game after the
1: absolute blowout and embarrassment the team experienced in Game 5? I still didn't think he was as aggressive as he could be. There were times when he had spurts when he would go to the hole and he would jam it hard. But there were times that I still found him, he does not look to shoot at all. So he can drive. This is is news? No, no. But, well, you asked me my impression. He drives into the lane. He's got an open shot that's seven feet or less. You got to at least look like you're going to shoot. It's clear that he's not. I mean, he's automatically looking for the kick. But, I mean, I saw a stat before yesterday's game that I sent you. You sent me it. That was eye-opening. That that his average shot distance for this round is two point six feet. It was the number that you, is, it was the
0: stat you gave me after that that got me even more.
1: What that he he hadn't shot a ball outside the key outside and, the key, and he and in the entire playoffs before last night he ha- had only shot one shot from outside the key.
0: But he has brought it on
1: the defensive
0: end. And that's been important. At with times, Kawhi.
1: there are times when he doesn't. He, it, it, there's an inconsistency to the, to his game that bec- I can I understand why fans get frustrated because you look at him and you see so much talent and you want to see that talent every single play on both sides and sometimes it's not there and I I don't know why he's clearly better than the way he plays sometimes. Do you think James Ennis would be in the rotation for the playoffs, playing the role that he has? No, you did didn't. You didn't think, even did want you, him did, in the trade. Did you think after the first month after that trade that Mike Scott would be an integral piece? He's I like mean, a
0: cult hero now down but, there. But, but
1: I got to tell you, I mean Elton Brand, he brings made, energy into the game. Yeah, when but he comes in. Elton Brand did a great job of putting pieces and and making sure that they had enough time that they're now starting to gel. The question is whether or not they can go into Toronto and pull off the upset. So, hand. the only
0: time the Sixers have played three game sevens are in 1986. They played one and they played uh, one and two in 2001. Uh, they played two from 86 to 2001 and then the last one in 2012. The last time Toronto and Philly met in a game seven, Allen Iverson and Vince Carter were on the court. Philly opened at a minus seven point underdog. Now, ringing the bell we Jason, Kelsey, and Chris Long with dog masks, and they're playing up the underdog. Before the series, we Wait, picked— who did you say it was? Wasn't it Jason, Kelsey, and Chris
1: Long who came
0: on? I thought it was Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson and Chris, yeah. L- Chris Long were out what there. What they
1: should have had was just Jason, Kelsey, Nobody and likes Mummers <laughs> in the Mummers outfit. That would have been insane. You
0: can suggest that if they win in Game 7 for yeah. the start of the next round. Um, but your thoughts on before the series, I said I thought that if it, the Sixers won, it would be in six. I had real mm-hmm. concerns about them winning in Detroit in Game Seven. I'm gonna stick with that because I'm just gonna stick with my pick. But I'm not completely confident. That they're either gonna way, win in six. That the Sixers are gonna lose <laughs> because it's Game Seven. Right. But I'm not really confident in either way of that pick. I, on the one hand, I feel like. Kawhi can just take over a game, and it won't matter who's with him. He can drop 50, even if they're in his face, all night long. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you need all of your guys to come out. I could also see where the Sixers come out with the aggressiveness they showed in the other game. We've already seen that they can win in Toronto. I, I don't,
1: I'm don't. just not sure. I, I could see Ben playing better without having the pressure of the home court. I could see Kyle Lowry not playing well with the pressure. I mean, he has a long history of not playing well in the playoffs. Toronto has and a history of not yeah, playing but, well. Yeah, but Lowry the was there. Kawhi Leonard has a long history of playing well in the playoffs. So he the doesn't press- have the bad history. Who's the pressure on Sunday? Is it on Toronto it's at home on Toronto. in a
0: game seven that was unexpected because they were up, or is it on the Sixers? Well, it's
1: different, it's different kinds of pressure. The pressure that's on Toronto is history. It's not on its side. The pressure that's on the Sixers is they all know that that there is there may well not be a next year. Yeah, this that, game this will
0: determine whether this team returns in its yeah. form that it is, from this, coach to players.
1: More than any other team that's in the playoffs, this team has so many question marks about who comes back next year. There's so many free agents, and and also there's the question of whether the coach comes back. So th- they're all playing if they want to keep playing together this is the time to start playing because they may not have a chance to play together. I wanted again. to
0: get some Phillies in real fast. They're 21 and 15, three and a half games up in the East. They start 17 games in 17 days. And we were in Reading the other day. If you missed our high hopes show last night, you can catch the podcast, high dot We sat down and talked with Charlie Manuel and Josh Bonifay, the director of player development for the team. On one of the questions we asked them about the passing this week of David Montgomery Um, So we got some thoughts from them. Your thoughts, Jeff, on the passing of David Montgomery. The team is going to honor him, I believe, on June 6th. They're also going to give out, apparently, a scorecard as a giveaway to the next game. when they have a moment of silence because he kept score for every game. Um, Your thoughts on the passing of David
1: Montgomery? Dave Montgomery was... When I think of Dave Montgomery, obviously, you, you first think of the Phillies. But I think of him out in the community. I mean, Dave Montgomery... Yes, he was the, the front office face of the Phillies for a very long time. He got a lot done here. But it, it's everybody seems to have more than one story about how he touched him, how he related to every human being and, and respected every human being. And unfortunately, that's rarer than we would hope. And, you know... When people like this go, it's it's important for the organization, for the community to remember those people and to take those examples and use them and, and be better people themselves. And I think Dave Montgomery was one of those guys that everybody we've talked to wanted to be a better person because they were around him. And the longevity in the organization,
0: clearly the family nature, you're going to see a big outpouring uh, for him. Uh, I, I saw somebody say that when, when Harry Callis passed, they lost their heart. Uh, Dave Montgomery was the soul of the organization. Was how somebody put it out there, and I I thought that was pretty fitting. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeff, we've got mm, two minutes. You want to talk Union for a second? Sure. Let's. uh, So the other night, they're now six two and three. They're tied for first place. Getting boring too. They're winning just too much. Huh? They've won two in a row. They haven't lost in a bunch of games. They had a tie in between. I think it's been over four games since they've lost. And they'll be in Toronto tomorrow. They will. So it can be a back to back Toronto beating. That will be good. It's a lot of the snake logos. They play Toronto FC tomorrow at 3 p.m. They scored six goals in Chester the other night against the Revolution.
1: Um, your thoughts on where this team that was is? Fu- that was a fun game to be at, that, wasn't it? That was a fun uh-huh. game to, to Actually, watch. Actually, the thing that shocks me most is what happened after that game and them trading David Akam. Yeah. Um, But I think that is a sign of good things to come because the, the uh, transfer period. As they call it in soccer, Jeff, I'm so proud is, of you. Is, I'm is like coming up. I'm like
0: you with your son when he does well and <laughs> brings in home good grades. You get all excited. When when you now embrace soccer lingo, uh huh. I I am so proud. I'm beaming like a proud parent here in studio with you. There
1: you go.
0: Um, the David DeCamp trade was was surprising. They got an international roster spot and five hundred thousand dollars in in money to be able to use. Uh, looks like they're gonna try and sign uh, Jamiro Montero who's really made an impact coming into a a full contract. They also shipped Derek Jones out to Nashville SC, got $175,000 in allocation money, and then they signed forward Michi Nigolini from uh, the Bethlehem Steel to come up now. He's another international player who's played on the Republic of Congo team on the under 17. So he'll now be another full-time guy Ah, uh, your thoughts before we go.
1: They still they still haven't played a lot of games with Fabian. So th- there's still so much more to come and they're already the highest scoring team see in Fafa, the East. Fafa was
0: at the Sixers game?
1: No. Fafa Picot was at the Sixers game taking pictures. Have them ring the bell next th- time. Thanks
0: so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.